Welcome to Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest this week is Earthworks Audio CEO, Gareth Krauser. First of all, music jobs are surely changing. And what do I mean by that? Well, it used to be that if someone wanted to get into the music business, first thing they would do is work at a record store. Since record stores are no more, that's no longer an option. Probably the most exciting job in the music industry if you weren't a musician, but now it seems like everyone wants to be in the live business because live is where it's at, meaning concerts. That's a lot of fun. That's still exciting, and it's still expanding and growing. It's where most of the action is, but not all of it. Music tech is also really big. So there's music in just about every social platform, and it's a big part of every social platform. So if you have any tech chops, that's also where you want to go. When we get into the music side, it used to be that everybody wanted to be in a commercial studio and to start there, to learn there, learn from other engineers, learn from producers, just learn your craft in general. In fact, if we look at EMI, Abbey Road, they used to have a very clear path of how you would become an engineer. You would start as what they call a T-boy, which for us is a gopher, then become a tape-op, which there's no tape anymore, so that doesn't matter. Then you become an assistant. Then you would go to mastering, believe it or not, because they wanted you to learn why it was so difficult to get whatever was electronically on tape onto a vinyl disc And then, after a year or two of that, you were ready to become an engineer. But, in general, assistants have traditionally learned from producers and engineers in major studios. That being said, there are fewer commercial studios than ever. And the big problem there is most people of that age to go to those studios as an assistant or a gopher, they don't want those gigs anyway. A major complaint from a lot of the big studios is they can't find assistants And the ones they find think they already know it. And maybe they do because, let's face it, recording at home, recording in a small studio, recording in the box, that's really where it's happening. Not so much in traditional recording studios like it once was. One thing that's always been the same, regardless of when you started in the music business, is that there are very few jobs that you have for life. Usually they're fairly short, A year, two years, three years, five years if you're lucky. And as a result, if you didn't think like an entrepreneur, then you probably wouldn't get ahead. One of the biggest things about the music business is the fact that you are a musical entrepreneur. You got to think about that. You have to make your own job. So if you are not thinking that way, if you don't think about yourself as an entrepreneur, it's time to wake up. It's time to take some lessons to figure out how to do that because we all make our own work in the music business ultimately, even if we have that golden glory gig. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. Don't forget about my online courses on mixing, production, branding, and music business success at bobbyosinskicourses.com. Also, get an expert analysis and objective opinion of your songs and mixes as a member of my Hitmakers Club. Go to hitmakersclub.com 
to learn more. So what is the ultimate song? Is there an ultimate song? Well, a study by Aarhus University in Denmark analyzed 4 million songs on Spotify to see if there was a pattern of music to the types of music that we listen to over a 24-hour period. And what they discovered is that there are five distinct time blocks throughout the day, and broken down just the way you think. Morning, afternoon, evening, night, and late night, early morning. But it turns out that each has a different type of music that was preferred. For instance, in the morning, people tend to like slow but energetic. And an example that they gave was Supreme by Robbie Williams. In the afternoon, they went it louder and faster. An example being Only Girl in the World by Rihanna. And in the evening, night, late night, early morning, it seems to be dance music that everybody likes. But is there one song that works across all five time blocks? Yes. So this becomes the ultimate song. The best song in the world, so to speak. What do you think it is? Every Breath You Take by The Police. The reason why they picked that is because it's a medium tempo. It's a bit groovy, but not too much groovy. doesn't have any loud surprises. And basically, it's just a very pleasant and maybe even a bland type of song. But there you have it. Science has picked the ultimate song. Every Breath You Take by The Police. I'm sure you have comments on that. I'd love to hear them. My guest this week is Gareth Krauser, who's the CEO of Earthworks Audio, one of the premier microphone manufacturers that keeps a relatively low profile. Earthworks was founded by audio pioneer David Blackmer, who also founded DBX, and it was originally supposed to be a speaker manufacturer. David found that the test gear needed in loudspeaker design was very lacking, and as a result, he built a measurement microphone as his first project. It was so well regarded for its sound quality that before long, the focus of the company shifted entirely to microphones. During the interview, we spoke about Garrett's long association behind the scenes with Earthworks, what makes Earthworks mics different, specialty microphones, and much more. I spoke with Garrett from his office in New Hampshire. Tell me how you got into the business. Yeah. So uh, to to cover that, we've got to go back to education. And um, my mother, when I was very young, decided that my brother and I needed to attend a holistic uh, school that that focused on music and art uh, and creativity and building resilience and all of these sort of lofty goals. And um, so she moved us from Colorado uh, all the way across the country out to uh, rural New Hampshire. And, uh, at the time, uh, we were quite poor. And, uh, so she, um, she took a job out here caring for special needs folks. And it was a live-in situation, uh, which was, um, uh, I think character building for us all. And, um, I think after a couple of years of that, she decided, well, you know, maybe that wasn't the best, uh, solution at the time. And so she was looking around for other options. And, um, uh, fortunately, one of the other families uh, for the school we were attending uh, had a little apartment off of their their very large house, and uh, that apartment just happened to belong to audio genius uh, David Blackmer, whose house it was. Also, you know, if you're not familiar, the founder of DBX, so uh, 
you know, I was about six years old at the time we moved in and uh, my mother worked for a, for a couple of years, uh, other jobs, but, but she was a sort of a live-in nanny for uh, their son at the time who was also uh, about seven years old, so quite young. And long story short, he and I uh, grew up together over the next what, 11 years or so. I got along famously. And uh, when I was old enough to move out, I did. I moved out west again. I put myself through college. Uh, and uh, after college, did what you know any, any good college grad would do, which was look to try to find a job at a prestigious uh, organization. And uh, had the good fortune to have, you know, through working through college, uh, have built some good relationships and um, landed myself a job at a, a Fortune 500 uh, state farm and uh, was, was relatively pleased with myself. But really, it was, I think, mostly good fortune, good connections. And uh, uh, the real fortune was that uh, I managed to work for a woman there who hired me uh, by the name of Phyllis Kim, who is just absolutely a, a brilliant mentor, um, learned a lot about leadership uh, and influence from her. And um, she really had a huge impact on, on you know, where I took my life. Um, so after a couple of years of working there, uh, I decided, I was about 26 at the time, decided I was going to go ahead and open up my own business. Uh, so I opened up a, a state farm agency uh, out in um, uh, rural Arizona. And uh, Time had a you know had started a family, uh, had a young boy. Things were going very well, and um, uh, as time passed, you know we started as as I, I think many parents do uh, with young children, starting to think about okay, you know what are the needs of my child, and you know how is this all going to work out, and and uh, what are we going to do next? And um, during those years, as I was thinking about that, we started looking at schools, uh, and the schools out there were wonderful, um, but felt he had particular needs. And I felt that he probably wasn't going to do very well at, at any of those schools. And so this was sort of something we were chewing on. It was troubling uh, my wife and I. And um, over the years, uh, Daniel, the, the, the young man that I'd grown up with, son of David Blackmer, he would make uh, uh, trips out to Anaheim, California every January for the NAM show. And on his way back, he would stop in. He and I would get a drink and we'd chat and catch up on life. And um, for a couple of years in a row there, he had, you know, kind of been hinting, you know, hey, what do you think about, what do you think about maybe coming, coming to work for Earthworks? And of course, my reaction was, well, you know, I, I do finance. I, you know, that's, that, I don't do audio. Um, it's not my thing. And, you know, of course, we talked about it. And, uh, you know, his response was, well, you know, we've got some of that, but we really need sort of what you have, um, you know, need some problem solving. Um, sort of skills. And uh, so we talked and I sort of um, laughed it off. Um, but we started thinking about it more as my son was getting up to the age of really needing to, to go into first grade. And um, finally, I kind of talked with my wife and, and um, flew her out here and uh, for a visit. And she, she had lived in Arizona her whole life. So she was convinced that she would not survive uh, the New England winters. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it not going to be pretty. Uh, but but we talked about it and we both agreed that uh, the same school that that I had gone to as a child and incidentally, the same school that that David Blackmer had gone to as a child, the same school was pulling us back. And um, so we decided to to unwind the business out west and uh, and and moved out here. And uh, that's how I got started with Earthworks about five years ago. What position did you start at? 
So when I initially came on board, I came on as the um, COO and um, uh, just uh, recently uh, was promoted to CEO, which uh, was, was uh, wonderful. Mm. Uh, so um, yeah, and initially um, the thought process was the, the leadership at the time uh, was Heidi, who was one of the, the co-founders that was David's wife uh, before David passed away. So she and David co-founded Earthworks back in the mid '90s, and um, she was she responsible for keeping the company going after his passing. Uh, really, a wonderful human being, and uh, an incredible passion for for um, for the company. So yeah, that's uh, that's how I I got started here. Earthworks is an interesting company because the high quality products and there's a lot of them it's kind of below the radar somewhat it absolutely has been uh, and we're looking to change that um you know i think one of the things that i recognize is that um any company that's in its infancy and and loses a founder uh, like earthworks did with david when he passed the odds of survival for that organization are generally quite slim but uh you know we had these really incredible fundamentals, uh, the, the core technology that David had developed um, before he passed, we're still building on that today. And, uh, you know, I think the, the passion that folks had for that core technology, even though maybe we weren't, you know, we weren't able to touch all of the different uh, applications that folks would have liked to have seen us in. We had a couple of, of, of compelling products. Um, and we kind of were a sleeper company for a while, um, simply because the company needed some help uh, kind of getting on its feet after, uh, after losing David. Uh, and they certainly, uh, they, you know, they certainly um, uh, worked uh, in a number of different ways to try to do that. But I think within the last five years, we've actually made uh, quite a bit of progress. And I'm very excited to uh, obviously be talking with you on one of the new products that we just launched, but, but we've also uh, recently launched a family of, 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 uh, of products for uh, podcasting and broadcasting um, in addition to, to uh, some other very successful products that we've, we've launched within the last five years as well. So I want to get into that in a second, but I was reading the history. I certainly know who David Blackmer is and his connection to DBX and Earthworks, but I didn't really understand the history of earthworks until i just read it i had no idea about this where he started as a speaker company and then couldn't find the test gear to actually get the test that he needed so the first thing that he built was a microphone and everything started from there yeah it's really a fascinating um it's a fascinating story in and of itself uh he was as I knew him, he was very resourceful. Um, some of the early measurement series, you know, prototypes before they were the measurement series, he had cobbled together, uh, making the uh, the tip structure out of uh, silly putty to kind of suspend the, the caps. I mean, it was or clay or some such, and uh, that's kind of how he lived. You know, he just if he needed something, he built it right then. Uh, you know, he didn't want to wait to do it. Uh, he just he would he would go out and, and build it, and if it didn't work quite the way you wanted it to, well, he'd, he'd you know, iterate. Uh, really incredible. A real inventor. It, yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, uh, the way Heidi would have described it is, I, you know, that he, he seemed to really live in the circuit. You know, I mean, he just, <laughs> that's, that's 
really where his mind was. Just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I think I know what makes Earthworks mics different, but you tell me what you think makes them different. You know, I don't know that I would be the best person to to explain the you know the uh, the inner workings, but but my own perception uh, is that uh, this comes back down to something that that I had heard David talk about when I was growing up. I was a teenager at the time, but my own way of of, of explaining that would be to say they're fast. Um, they're you know it's this is about accuracy in the time domain and um, time resolution is is really at the center of most of, of what we're doing. Uh, we're stacking uh, a number of, of, of meaningful innovations that, that um, David had come up with uh, to create the experience that, that you're listening to today. Uh, so, you know, there's a focus on being able to, uh, you know, capture very fast transients um, and, and have a very clean impulse response, um, which I think, you know, much of the industry, you know, was perhaps not talking about in a significant way uh, 25 or 30 years ago, but now I think is is probably mainstream, uh, or or at least is is uh, acknowledged to be uh, of, of some importance. Yeah, I don't think there's any emphasis on it though. Besides you guys, yeah, probably not. I mean, I think I think most organizations realize that that at the end of the day, what matters is if it sounds good, it is good, right? I mean, and I think. That's something that when I came on board here, it was something that I first spent the first couple of years looking to understand the landscape. That's my process. You know, what what is it that we're doing here? Uh, why is it special? Uh, how do we talk about it? How are we communicating that? So yeah, you know, we could we could talk about you know what's happening inside the product, but I don't think anybody I don't think anybody really wants a science lesson, right? Um, uh, or most people don't, maybe. But what we care about is what is it going to deliver and in, in my personal experience, I, you know, I've, I've heard others, uh, you know, make this analogy and I, I think it's the closest that I've come to sort of explaining it simply, you know, this might be the difference between, you know, uh, you know, hundred percent pure orange juice from a bottle or cutting open an orange and squeezing it into a glass. You know, they're both orange juice, but, but there's something that, that feels more alive about the one than the other. Uh, and I think that's the way that, that maybe I would describe how I feel about what I hear when I listen to an Earthworks product. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned about the science lesson. And looking through the Earthworks website, there's a distinct lack of technical information. Yeah, uh, and, and that is actually, I think, a change from, you know, what you may have seen if you were on the website just a few years ago, yeah. um, I think. And and by the way, um, I'm not suggesting that that it's not worth putting out uh, that sort of information. But I think, I think in general, uh, this idea that, that getting into the weeds on that, it may not be the thing that really matters, right? Um, and and uh, I think listeners uh, and, and engineers and artists are going to decide based on experiences. Uh, and I think that if we're doing a good job uh, in the way that we engineer our products, and I think that's a hallmark, honestly, of good technology anyway, um, hopefully you get to stop worrying about the technology. You get to stop thinking about, you know, how it's working or what it's doing. And it just does it. And it kind of fades into the background and simply creates a better experience. And I think that's really the push that you're seeing from us is that uh, we're looking to do more of that, uh, more, you know, 
more of the delivering and less of the explaining. <laughs> when it dawned on me what was going on, I looked at it from a digital marketer's standpoint, where you're not selling stuff, you're selling benefits. And that's exactly what that does. It, it's the benefits, it's not the minutia of it. Yeah, you know, and again, especially today, uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, a lot of folks will, you know, who have lived through this um, have recognized this, is that just the way in which we communicate has just so fundamentally changed that I think whenever you're, whenever you're online, it just feels like there's so much saturation, right? And it's very difficult to cut through and just get to what you're looking for, even though everybody is really trying to curate everything, right? You've got algorithms curating everything. So how do we simplify things down and give you a taste of, of what you're really interested in? And so that's the goal. Hopefully we're doing a good job with that. Um, it's nice that uh, it's nice to, to hear from you that it maybe is working. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. What I find really interesting about the company is that you specialize in a number of areas that most other microphone manufacturers don't. And what I mean is like choir mics and piano mics where most other manufacturers is, oh yeah, we have this microphone and it can work here. And oh yeah, it'll work over here too. But in fact, you've gone another step where you have specialty mics that work you know, for those particular areas. The choir mics and the piano mics especially, I, I looked at that and I thought, oh, very cool. Yeah, both of those products I think are incredibly special um, and, and both for... for Similar reasons, but but uh, both do a really wonderful job capturing those sources. And uh, I think what has made those products successful for Earthworks um, comes back down to some of these fundamentals that I was talking about before. Is that you know with the piano mic, it was designed for a grand piano. I mean, you, you know, you could theoretically put it on something else. I mean, the mics work anywhere, but it's really it's it's quite clear what the application is. Uh, and it does a phenomenal job, but maybe more importantly, it makes it incredibly easy. Uh, you know, if you talk with an engineer about miking a piano, I mean, heck, we've got a saying internally, you, you ask 10 engineers how to mic a piano, you're going to get 10 different answers, right? And, and again, this isn't our way of saying any of those are wrong, but what we recognized, I think, is that having a solution that delivers absolutely fabulous results without having to put in all of that time and effort. Uh, there's real value to that. We're, I mean, I, it, it's going to sound cliche, but we are all flat out, I think, right now, right? I mean, I think, I, you know, when I talk with other professionals, I think, I don't, I don't think I've heard another professional say that they don't feel burned out right now. And I think, yes, some of that is everything that we've lived through over the past roughly two years. But even before that, the, the pressure to produce uh, constantly, you know, you, you just, you don't hear the same number of stories about maybe artists taking, you know, uh, weeks or months in a studio kind of lounging and, you know, figuring out life, uh, uh, and, and, or, or trying to get, you know, uh, the right drum sound or whatever, whatever it is. I mean, everybody I think is under pressure to produce something great in a very short period of time. And I think when you have solutions that are tailored, uh, that are tailor made for an application, that you can rely on, that you know are going to give you something incredible without putting in a great deal of effort. I think that's, um, that's quite special. 
You know, when I think of your microphones, it makes me think about an experience that I had that really changed my thinking on recording, especially. I had produced a project and I hired Ken Scott to come in and engineer. And of course, Ken was one of the five Beatle engineers and he did Bowie and Supertramp and, you know, one of the legends in our business. And what I discovered was he approaches recording way different than anybody I've ever seen. And what he'll do is he EQs the mic, not the instrument. So what that means is once he's EQed the microphone, he can put it anywhere and it works. Hmm. And he can put anything in front of it and it works. When I see your microphones, I think, oh, well, this is somewhat the same thing in that they're reproducing just what they're hearing. You don't have to do any of those corrective measures or let's face it, you always do somewhat, but, uh, you know, less so. Exactly. I, I think that continues to be philosophically one of the, the pieces that we're striving for. So out of the box, uh, so to speak, you shouldn't have to really uh, have any major corrective intervention uh, when you're using an Earthworks product. Uh, and the goal is to allow uh, the artist, the engineer to focus on creativity, right? At you, if, if you want, you know, if you want to add effects, great, you know, go for it. But we, we get to give you something that right out of the gate ought to be easy to work with. Uh, and I, I think that's this piece that I was mentioning earlier, which is, you know, it's, it saves time, it saves energy. And I think the overall result it, it speaks for itself. Let's talk about the new line of microphones culminating with Ethos, which I think is very cool. And it looks like it's a replacement for what I'm using right now, the SM7B. Was that intentional? What I would say is that I think you know, I think that we always want to be aware of um, what's being used in the space that we're looking to step into. So in that sense, sure. Um, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but beyond that, the, the design philosophy right now um, is really a, a, a philosophy that is uh, human-centric. And uh, my guess is that, that maybe some other organizations have, have you know, drawn on this as well. But uh, with Icon and Icon Pro, uh, we started out uh, with an idea that I had had, which is, you know, we wanted, during the pandemic, we wanted to push out uh, a, a USB microphone. Earthworks had never made a, a, a USB mic, and uh, we felt like this was, a, this was the right time. And I think many companies at the time were, were you know, reevaluating what's the trajectory, you know, where are we going with this, how long is this going to last, and so... We had a couple of other products in the pipeline and we tabled those and, and set them aside. Um, and we will get back to those, but um, uh, we decided, okay, we're going to, we're going to come out with, um, you know, with a, a product that, that fits with where people's needs or where we think people's needs are right now. And, and in doing that, we thought, well, you know, this is an opportunity for us, yes, to make a product that sounds beautiful, but anytime you're creating, I think, uh, it's always worth asking, well, can we make it actually beautiful as well, right? Uh, can, we, can we produce something where the build quality feels like this is not just, this is not just a tool that goes back in the tool chest, but this is something that, that makes you feel good when you're using it, uh, makes you feel good about owning it. Uh, I think a lot of manufacturing has gotten away from that, um, again, uh, for better or for worse, but, but you know, here at Earthworks, I think being able to really value a product um, beyond 
the, just the simple utility is something that I, I feel is very important. So we started there and I, I'm very proud of the, um, the, the build quality on, on icon, icon pro and, and ethos. And I, I, you know, every beauty is subjective of course, but, but I feel like we've really created, uh, three incredibly beautiful products. I wish you could, you could hold, you know, one of these right now and just kind of get a sense for the build quality, uh, but they really are astounding. So that's where we got started on, on, on this journey. You know, it was really a response to the, the changing landscape and, uh, my incredible team really worked extremely rapidly. You know, we're a small, small company. When I came on board five years ago, I think we had less than 20 people. We're up to above 30, um, uh, to date, but it's quite small. And, um, so we worked very, very rapidly. Uh, we have the advantage that we can, uh, design, manufacture and assemble everything right here, uh, in, in Milford, New Hampshire. Uh, so we did that. Um, and, uh, the goal was really in addition to producing a, you know, a product that sounds great, looks great, was to re-examine the needs of folks in a variety of different, um, spaces that might be using these products and really create, um, products that, that started with an understanding of the human being. I think it's really unique in the fact that everything is built in the USA. Everything is built in New Hampshire, which is so different from every other company these days. It is. Um, you know, although what I will say is that, um, you know, the, the way that, and I, I hate to be the, you know, the, the technicality here, but, you know, designed, tuned, assembled, because there are phenomenal companies all around the world, and we certainly source components from, from other companies uh, globally, mesh from Switzerland, cable from Japan. I mean, you know, just, you know, we're looking for something that's quality, but my sense of this is that uh, trade is good. Uh, it's good for the world right now. Uh, I think as things get more complicated, trade is, is something that, that everybody should be looking to foster because it's, it, it's a mechanism for peace, I think. Um, you know, and, uh, so we're certainly not looking to try to build a, you know, a walled garden here. Um, but there are fundamentals that I think are important to us that continue to be important to us about creating careers for individuals that are, you know, well-paying jobs that, that, that have opportunity. And at least, you know, with the, the, the size organization that we are right now and what our capacity is, we're able to control those things by having all of that done right here. So I, I think there's real value to it, yeah. What's one thing that most people don't know about Earthworks that you wish they would? Mm. <laughs> That's a good question. I think that it's it's what we've been pushing on, right? Which is that this is about creating a better experience. You know, we're, we're not looking to uh, make other wonderful products obsolete. Um, there are absolutely incredible microphones out there that are produced by other companies. But what Earthworks does, I think, is truly unique uh, in the sense that I think everywhere else that I look, there's a, there's a flavor that I think uh, folks are, are, are looking to provide. And, and we like those flavors. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> heck, we've all grown up on those flavors, right? We, these are the sounds that we, we've, we've grown to know and love. But there's something else that is, is special, I think, about real and the the relationship i think that human beings have have had for 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 as long as we've been around with the human voice uh that is something that is so incredibly special and the intimacy that comes from being able to get 
closer and be being able to get more of that life in the audio. There's something very personal and very intimate about it. And I think that's something that I would love for more people to experience and to try. And I think maybe Earthworks, uh, you know, when it, we were first getting started in the 90s, I, I feel like maybe everything sort of happened right, right along the right timeline because we're finally starting to see, uh, you know, high quality, uh, high fidelity streaming uh, come about, right? I mean, it's, it's, in its in its infancy maybe, but, but we're starting to see a number of companies really push the envelope on audio. It may be in, a, in the same way that we saw, uh, you know, happen with, with, um, you know, with, vis- with, with, with video. And I, that makes me very, very excited for the future and, and what folks will be able to hear uh, through an Earthworks product. Last question, Gareth. This is right up your alley, I think. What is the best piece of business advice that maybe somebody imparted to you or you learned along the way? Yeah, I mean, there has been a lot. Um, what I would say is that I think right now, I would say that that it's important to be uh, agile and it's important to be resilient. Uh, and I think that we can achieve those things by uh, investing in our people. Um, I think that, you know, people drive business, people drive uh, the resilient qualities inside of organizations. Uh, they're what keeps everything going. And um, in, in particular right now where I know uh, technology is so compelling, uh, it's so incredibly compelling. Um, I would say that um, I would recommend that, that, that uh, we look back to our people uh, and uh, make sure that we're creating uh, jobs that, that leverage technology through people, not simply replace people. You can find out more about Gareth and Earthworks Audio at earthworksaudio.com. That's earthworksaudio, all one word, dot com. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. To listen to other episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab or Go to bobbyoinnercircle.com, or you can find an Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At bobbyosinski.com and bobbyoinnercircle.com, you'll also find a sign-up form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time. Bye.